Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. John 14.3, my only verse in text. So in the scripture says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you unto my presence so that you also may be where I am. Amen. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I'm thankful for a heavenly father because I didn't have a good earthly father. But I'm also thankful for fathers that live on this earth, that live with heaven on their mind, that make heaven their greatest priority. So I want to preach to you for a little while about heavenly father. <laughs> heavenly fathers, amen? Father, Our father in heaven and fathers on this earth that have heaven on their mind, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the word of God today. Thank you for a gift of the word. So beautiful that we have God breathe inspiring word to look to, to be instructed by, and to be encouraged by. And I thank you for your word today. Help us to handle it, use it, have it planted in us, take it home with us, and grow something amazing through it in us. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's as children do, they often like whenever dad comes in and puts them to bed and teaches them or reads to them a bedtime story. And it's no, no less a situation as the moment when your kids are settling in and you're fairly exhausted as, as a father having worked all day and your son or your daughter says, Daddy, read me a story. Daddy, read me a story, a bedtime story. Any fathers here ever read bedtime stories? Amen. I want to take the offering. Thank you, Seth. God bless you for reminding me. I would have completely forgotten. I'm the dad that forgets the offering. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this offering. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Seth, for serving us and reminding me. So a little boy asks his dad. He, he says, Dad, tell me a story about a giant. I want you to tell me a bedtime story about a giant. And so the dad says, okay. And his dad sometimes do, they make up stories. <laughs> so he decided he was going to tell a story about a giant. And he said, one day, there's a little boy, and he went, to a, he went to an amazing parade. But there were so many people, and there was so much press of the crowd that they couldn't get to the front of the line. So his dad hoisted him up to stand on his shoulders so that he could see the amazing parade go by. And his vantage point was so much better because he stood on the shoulders of his dad. And he could see the fire trucks, and he could see the police cars, and he saw the canine police dogs, and he saw the bands and the, the parade, and, and everything was amazing, and all the floats, and, and it was just an amazing day. And then the dad who was holding him on his shoulders couldn't see hardly anything because of the busyness of people in front of him and this, 
the crowds that were in front of him. And he, the little boy goes, Dad, that's not a good story. That's not even a story about giants. And he said, yeah, you might be right at first glance, but really, they're giants in the story. And the little boy's like, well, who's the giant? His hand on his hip, like, who's the giant? You tell me. He said, well, the giant is the little boy because he stood much higher than everybody else. And he had a better vantage point and greater success and greater opportunity because he stood on the shoulders of his dad. And the giant is the dad who was busy with his schedule, was crowded in life, and didn't worry about his view being the best, but worried about his children having a better advantage than him. He said, really, they're both giants. And that's what we're celebrating today is fathers who are giants, who put heaven first in their life and put their kids on their shoulders and point toward God and say, your praise is powerful. Your life lived for God is the most important thing. You let them have the advantage of knowing the life that you've lived for God was worth it when you put them on your shoulders and say, go up a little bit higher with the Lord. Live for him a little bit more. Do a little bit more for the Lord. Have greater advantages. Have greater perspective. Have greater promises and have greater fulfillment. You can do more standing on my shoulders than you could have done by yourself. And I lift you up. Amen. Father's Day. It's good to have Father's Day. It's good to have the things that we have. Even if we have earthly fathers that were not that good, we have a heavenly Father who loves and cares for us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you, Brother Dean, for your help. I appreciate you. So today on Father's Day, I want to tell you that God is a good father, something you already know, but I want to remind you of that. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't left you out in the cold. He's not a father who's slack in his promises, the scripture says, but will with all things make right anything that you go through. And in fact, he is a father whose love never fails. Maybe you have never looked in the face of a father before because you didn't have a good father figure and felt love that did not have strings attached. But I promise you, his agape is just like that. And when you stand seeking God for any answer in your life, trust me that his love has not failed you. He's there for you. He's right beside you. You may not feel his manifested presence as we do in a praise service where you feel the energy of God in the atmosphere, but I promise you, he has has not left you and he has not forsaken you because that would make him a bad father and he is not that. Amen? He's a good, good father. Almost every Father's Day, I think we, most every church does Chris Tomlin's song, Good, Good Father. <laughs> it's like the set list. It has to have it in it. I was like, no, no, we don't have to do that song. Our good father knows how to correct us and how to instruct us in righteousness through his word. He knows how to correct us in life. He knows how to use trials and struggles to refine us, to make us better. His correction is for our good, amen? Because he's a good father, everything he does for us will ultimately come to good if you trust him. The best fathers in life are the fathers who prioritize heaven. Amen, somebody. The disciple John 
was marooned on an island in the Mediterranean. He's, he was put there as a prisoner after he miraculously escaped a pot of boiling oil. And when he was put there, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I, I, I memorized the actual passage because I loved his description of Jesus so much in this passage. I like how he said who God was to him and, and what God was. And in Revelations, the first chapter, the 12th verse, it says, I turned and saw a voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw one like unto the Son of Man. I don't know if you can change the color on that, Seth, but help us out. Saw, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white as wool, white, or white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were as the flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, and they and if they burned in the as if they burned in the furnace and his voice were the sound of many waters and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength and when i saw him i fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not i am the first and the last that's the first thing a good father says is i fear not i am the first and the last i am he that liveth and was dead and behold i am alive forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death that is jesus is talking about the fact that jesus came to earth as a man and died for us and and in dying for us he carried our cross amen he was a giant in our life in that he carried our cross so we can stand on the shoulders of his work at Calvary. Amen, somebody. And we have a better vantage point and we have better promises and we have a better covenant because of the, the work of Jesus Christ and we have access to God through Jesus Christ in, in that we are able to lift ourselves up from the places and the struggles that we go through. You can call it spiritually juvenile if you want, but I don't believe it is because I see your faces from Sunday to Sunday. And I know some of you have been drowning in despair and defeat at times. I know some of you have been haunted by emotional strain and, and, and hounded by physical pain in your body sometimes. And, and you've come in here and asked, Let's, can we pray for this or can we pray for that? And you've been harassed by financial pressures and humbled by domestic disharmony. And those, those are things that God then touches and helps us with because he's a good father but in those moments we sometimes forget that the antagonist of our soul the enemy wants nothing more than for us to forget that we have a heavenly father who's gone to prepare a place for us and we can be so trapped and fixated on the rocky path that is before us in this earth that we forget the forever promises of our heavenly father and not look to the prize that's set before us but only only see the problems that are right in front of us. And I've come to preach to somebody today that we are not to live shallow, earthbound lives, but we are to be transformed and transfixed by our Heavenly Father that truly what He is doing and preparing for us in heaven is supposed to affect us here on earth. Amen, somebody.
We have a heavenly father. We can be so riveted by our problems that we forget that heaven is supposed to transform our earth experiences. Supposed to change us and give us hope and give us joy and give us the power to look beyond this trouble and look to the fact that we have a heavenly home. We're going to a place someday where there's no more pain, no more struggle, no more funerals, no more problem, no more jails, no more fighting, no more disunity, no more racial tension. We're going someplace where we call home and all races, all creeds, all people can go there through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It allowed us to stand on his shoulders and see the vantage point even if vicariously through the revelation of John we can look and peer into the promises of God for us because we know we have a heavenly home. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through and the worst statement ever leveled against the church is that there are people in the church that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, but Charles Spurgeon preaches to us a message that he says the people that change the world the most are those that have heaven on their mind the most. The people that cause the greatest movements on the planet earth are people that were absolutely convinced that heaven is for them. That's where they're going and they change their world because of it amen somebody am i yelling too much (laughs) i'm just overly excited about a home far away where there is no more pain and no more sorrow where he wipes every tear from our eye amen where he's storing up every tear in heaven because he knows that someday we will realize they were all for our good. We got through it and there's a place prepared for us. Amen. So I rise to preach this morning on our, that our heavenly father has made a place for us and he will come back for us. Amen. Acts one eleven gives a benediction from the angels when it says, you men of Galilee... Why stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall some so shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. In other words, he's coming back for us. Amen. Are you glad about it? How can we sit through a sermon about heaven and not be over over elated about where we're going, amen? Sometimes the enemy of our soul takes a discussion of heaven completely off the table. Someone say heaven. Heaven. Someone say heaven. I know that sometimes we don't talk about it because we're so busy trying to get goals accomplished and things done, and I believe in that. But I want you to know the greatest value you can have as a man, dear dads, is to have heaven on your mind and to teach your children about heaven. I believe we should have goals, and I believe we should level up in life. But I also believe that if there's any level or there's any goal that takes your kids out of the will of God or takes your kids out of the church, no trophy on a ball game field is worth it. No, no aspiration is worth it. There is only one great heavenly father and we ought to be like him in the earth, men. We ought to put God first. There's no chance that your son will get into professional sports. There is just very little chance that your daughter will get into professional sports. In fact, it's 0.0295% chance that they'll make it to professional sports, but men run and women run. I'll just say in general, 
generality run their children back and forth to ball games and to places and do things that, that take their time and their exhaustion and they have to do all of this in order to just be normal in this society. But I want to tell you, I appreciate the dads that stand up and say, no, I know everybody works on their home on Saturdays and they have the ball game on Sunday, but we might work on our home like they do or do things around the house on Saturday, but on Sunday we're going to the house of the Lord. On Sunday is set aside as a day of rest where we go and we worship our God because they made heaven a priority in their life. Heaven has to stay a priority. Second Thessalonians 4.16 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive shall be caught up. Amen. Alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds that to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen, somebody. That's a point of celebration right there. That's a place for an amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the victorious things that happen is not just because they happen, it's because men put God first on earth. Amen. A lot of the victories that I have is because my mom put God first when the father stepped out of the picture. And I want to tell you mothers that have kids without fathers, if you don't have a father in the home, you get your kids around men of God in the church. You get your kids around men of God that don't lie, don't curse, don't seek filthy Luther, lucre, aren't driven by greed, but they love God and they read their word and they pray every day and they do everything they can to purify themselves under the hand of God. Get them around godly men because God will replace a missing father with an earthly father in the church. Amen, somebody. My youth pastor was the one that led me to run mountain marathons and be a man in my life. And I don't really want to thank him right now for running marathons now that I'm 44 and my knees are telling me about it. But I'm grateful that he was in my life. Amen. But we often forget we often have it removed or even sometimes even pushed off the table. We don't talk to he about heaven to our children. But sometimes we have to realize that even if we don't say it, our life is saying it. By what we do, by what we prioritize, our life is speaking to those kids. And if we put God first and we put being in the house of God first, God will bless them and God will put them on other levels and God will give them the goals that they set. God will bless them. I don't know how it works, but I watched men my age sit out of church to get their homework done in college, and they are not in the church today, not even pretending to live for God today. And while I went to church every Sunday, and I, and I helped teach the youth group, and I had homework on Sunday night late so that I could actually make it back to class on Monday, and I graduated somehow. I don't know how. If you know me, you don't know how I graduated college. But I made it through it. Why? Because God blessed me. And when I walked into a class one day and I wasn't ready for the test, the teacher got the teacher got pulled away for some reason and the test got bumped to Wednesday. And I said, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. The Lord's working for me. Amen. 
I don't know how it all worked, but I'm still here. I'm still thankful. I'm still serving God. I'm still putting him first. And my children are in the church. And there's no greater joy than to know that your children serve the Lord. Amen, somebody. Putting heaven first is the best priority because heaven isn't just some state of mind. Heaven isn't some figment of some a figment of somebody's imagination. Heaven is not a philosophical concept. Heaven is not a religious extraction. Heaven is real. Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, the truth of the doctrines of salvation in the Bible are just as real as the truth of heaven. Or Jesus would be a liar. And the fact that I find heaven so compelling that I changed my life for it is scripturally revealed. It's shown to us as a revelation in scripture, as an inheritance for us. Amen? That we're going someplace, and you may not have the whitest house and the longest car, but someday you're going to have a heavenly home, a mansion prepared for you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. In First Peter 1 and 4, it says, we have this inheritance, to an inheritance incorruptible. Everyone say incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you if you stack up possessions in life they will rust out if you stack up clothes in your closet they will fade but if you stack up treasures in heaven they will not ever be corrupted they will not fade away in fact the more you own the more you maintenance you're welcome <laughs> Your life is taken by your possessions because they require so much maintenance. And some people have that life and it was unintentional, but they became so successful that now they spend all their time maintenancing their successes. And success has become a downfall. Remember, brothers and sisters, that the things you get are a blessing of the Lord. Don't ever let those things take you out of the church because he gave them to you anyways. Make sure whatever you get, maintenance your stuff, keep it nice. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying don't ever let those things keep you from being heavenly minded and serving the Lord first and foremost. Amen. Somebody. Pastorly moment. Thank you. The scripture tells us that there's a place prepared for us. And I believe it. It's kept for those who are kept by the power of God. Go back to that verse, 1 Peter 1 and 4. Can you grab the next verse for me? Inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Go to verse 5 if you can for me. All right, we can grab it. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want to get there quickly. Look at what it says. Yep, help us out, sound media team. Turn that white. Let's give our media team a big hand. All one of them back there today. Woohoo! Give them a bigger hand. Now, Pastor can read it. Who are kept by the what? Who are kept by the what? Through what? through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. This scripture tells us that your faith and the power of the Holy Ghost keeps you. Amen? 
ready to be revealed in the last day, that there is a place of necessity for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, not just to get you through this life, but to keep you for heaven. Oh, that's so good. I think I'll celebrate myself. I'll give you one more revelation in this sermon before I'm done, and I hope you have more response than that. <laughs> Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed. Faith is the pathway to salvation. Through the application of what God gave us in doctrine, in the word of God, that the power of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues keeps us and it holds us. How many know that we couldn't get out on our own? That God had to put something in us and men who know how to live for God and prioritize God, they celebrate this treasure in earth and vessels. They walk with God with respect and honor to the word of God and speaking the tongues. Amen. They know what it's like to encourage themselves and build themselves up as the scripture said in psalms and spiritual songs and in praying in the Holy Ghost, building your yourself up. Men that are heavenly fathers know how to build themselves up when they're discouraged by praying in the Holy Ghost. You look it up. There's In the scripture, it's praying, and then there's praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying with knowledge, that's praying in your earthly language, and then there's praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. And when men who are heavenly fathers on the earth run out of words to speak and they don't know how to handle the situations they're in, they begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost intercedes for them through that situation. The power of God works through them to pray prayers they don't even know how to say. When you are out of words, pray in the Holy Ghost. Be a heavenly father on earth. Pull that holy power of God that keeps you for heaven on earth and it'll keep you here and it'll take you there. Amen, somebody. <laughs> All right, I hope I didn't cross swords with any of you too much there. But uh, if you need, if you have questions about that, see me after church. I'll have a Bible study with you if you don't agree. If not, say amen. amen. All right, all right, some of you. Good, good. Heavenly Fathers, I have notes in my phone. That's what my notes actually say. Go to the notes in your phone. <laughs> Priority of purity. Here's my second revelation in this particular sermon. John 3, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. All the men in the house, turn your Bibles there and circle this. Because it would seem a little bit confusing, but I want to lay this out for you and just kind of unpack it real quick as a revelation for our fathers and in in, in our heavenly fathers on earth. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed. Who? The Father? The Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Amen, somebody. Amen. Sons refers to all genders. Doesn't just refer to men. It refers to the children of God that we should become the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth not because it knew not him. Go to the next verse. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Somebody said amen. amen. Woo! And doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. He's coming back. Amen. Yes. How many believe in the return of Jesus Christ? So he says, we're going to see him as he is when he comes back. And look at this. And here's the revelation. And every man that hath this hope. What hope? The hope of heaven. 
Every man that has the hope of Jesus coming back and taking us to our heavenly home. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. It's not talking about you purifying yourself as much as it's talking about Jesus. So look, 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 look. I said that wrong. Every man that hath this hope in him. Who's the him here? It's it's Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. Everyone who has the hope in Jesus purifieth himself. There's been many studies. There's been many studies that have said, why why is the church so full of women and not as full of men? Because women are more emotional, they're more attached to their heavenly father, they're more, they're more willing to be in an emotional state and praise God, and men are just uncomfortable with all that emotion. That's somewhat true. But the fact of the matter is we'll fill the church if we teach this revelation that those who have a heavenly hope, men that have a heavenly hope, will purify themselves. You won't have to preach them into it. You don't have to beat them into it. You don't have to put a bunch of barriers around them and tell them how they can and cannot live. You don't have to do all kinds of things that some people try to do to make a church grow and bring men into the church. All you have to do is to teach them that they have a heavenly father and they're supposed to be a heavenly father on earth and that they will then purify themselves. Amen, somebody. How many have ever seen that before? Some of you have? All right. That's awesome. Even as he is pure, even as Jesus was pure. In other words, it's saying Jesus is the hope that we have in him, so we will purify ourselves even as Jesus was pure. How many like that verse now? Circle it, love it, put hearts by it. Well, no, don't put hearts by it. You're men. Put a strong arm right next to it, like, yeah, God's got me on Father's Day. Hallelujah. But the scripture tells us that we're supposed to comfort each other with this truth. Amen, someone? If you leave here right now at the speed of light, you will reach Mars in a comfortable 31 minutes at the speed of light. For it's only a couple million light years away. A light year is how fast light travels in one second, added into a year's time. So whatever it would take you to travel that distance, John said, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be with him. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen heaven on a telescope, but I haven't. So if you, if you want to head out to Saturn, it's going to be several billion light years away. If you want to go to Pluto, more billions added. But John said, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, heaven must be farther beyond that or we just can't see it because it's eternal and we're in time. I don't know how you want to work that out, but if God promises there's a heaven, there is a heaven. If there's a new Jerusalem waiting for us, there's going to be a place prepared for me. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, all of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we forever be with the Lord and the Bible says comfort the church with that comfort yourselves with that put that hope in your heart it'll make you purify yourself and make yourself ready to go that is what God said will happen if we have a heavenly hope if we believe in a heavenly 
earthly father will become heavenly fathers on earth and will live out the word of God in flesh among the people of God. Amen, somebody. I want to go to heaven. I'm so grateful. I might be a little bit selfish. I might be a little bit hedonistic. If some people say that, I don't know, but I want to go to heaven. I'm selfish about wanting a place prepared for me. I look forward to looking in the face of my heavenly father and not seeing judgment like I saw on earth, not seeing hatred in eyes or not seeing uh, callousness, but seeing the pure love of fire and love of joy and love of celebration of seeing me finally in his presence how about you so I came today to preach a short sermon because we had donuts (laughs) to comfort the church with these words first Thessalonians 4 I end with 16 through 18 the scripture says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout the voice of archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first Then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Revelations, John said, I saw a door before me and I heard a voice that said, come up. Heaven is high. Heaven is up. The people of God should be I'm not going to say hi. (laughs) They should be up. They should be excited. Somebody's like, well, the Lord made made it in the Garden of Eden. But he didn't say smoke it. (laughs) God is so good that he's prepared for us a place that we can live out a joy on earth while we wait for our heavenly promise. How many heavenly fathers, how many fathers in this place that want to put heaven first as a priority? How many others that are listening to this Father's Day sermon can say, I want to make heaven my priority. I want to make souls my priority. If I, I don't want to just take myself there. I don't, I don't want to just pat my chest because I have a one-way ticket to heaven. I want to go get somebody else. I want to reach my neighbor. I want to reach my neighbor's kids. I want to, they're so busy going to and fro, doing so many things, and they're trying to live life the best they can. And I'm not knocking that, but I, w- I will tell you the best life is a life lived when you're right with God, when you're saved, sanctified, and filled with God's Spirit and you know that you have a heavenly home prepared for you and you've made sure that you are saved. Amen, somebody. Let's reach them. Let's talk to them. Let's open the door of discussion. Let's ask them, have you addressed your state of salvation? Are you sure that you're going to heaven? Because it is the best life on earth to be prepared for heaven. Amen, somebody. Would you stand with me today? Thank you, Lord, for our heavenly fathers in this room, the ones who pack their kids up week in and week out, make it to the house of God and and check them in or put them in at kids' life and get them an education in the word of God so that their hearts would not sin against you. Thank you, Lord, for the crowded and busy schedules of fathers and mothers who are raising kids that hold their children on their shoulders and say, go ahead and enjoy the parade of life. Go ahead and get an advantage. Go ahead and get a a better perspective than I have. I will sacrifice myself so that you stand on my shoulders. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to remind us how you came and bared our cross 
in the same message. I will go to the cross for you. I will be buried by your sin. Stand on my shoulders so that whenever I rise again, so will you. And I go to prepare a place for you that there I, where I am, there you may be also. I close with this. You are giants of faith, all of you. And you do affect others around you. They see your life. They see your story lived out. It's a voice they hear. But when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Some of you known this because I've preached it in a sermon before, but I feel to end with this. There's a Jewish tradition that when a young man loved a young woman, he would gather in the marketplace and he would tell her this line. He would say, I want to marry you. I want you to be betrothed to me. And she would make a commitment to him. But before he said that, he says, he would say, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And be encouraged, I'm not leaving you but where I, I'll come back for you, that where I am, there you may be also. What he would do is in the culture, they had a homestead and he would go back to his house and they would build little, little like, I would say cabins, but like rooms off of their father's house in order to house them when they got married. And so that's why the Bible says that in my father's house are many mansions because they would add rooms onto the father's homestead. And what they were saying, what the, what the Jewish man was saying when he was professing his love to his future bride was, I'm gonna go back home to my father's house and I'm going to build off of that house a place for you. And then I'm gonna come back and get you and make you my bride. And it's the same story in scripture because they all knew, all the disciples knew and all those that heard Jesus Christ when he said it knew exactly what he was talking about. The church was gonna be the bride and he was gonna take us to a place prepared for us. And so he said those words and they knew exactly what he was talking about because every young Jewish man in love said the same words to his bride. And so I, I guarantee you that the revelation is God in flesh built a place for us in eternity. And if you put that in your heart and you live that in your life, I cannot tell you how amazing it is to live a promised and blessed life like that. To know that he's gone to prepare a place for you and he hasn't forgotten you, but he's coming back for us. Amen. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word. Thank you for preparing a place for us. Help my heart to be ready to be with you in glory. I want to live forever with you. I don't want to just have a religion on earth that was man-made. I want a God-made relationship. In Jesus' name, I want the truth of your word to resonate in me. I want to be a heavenly father that points toward heaven to my children and say, no, we don't have to have that priority today because we're going to the house of the Lord. No, we're going to sit down and we're going to read the word of God. We're going to memorize scripture so that we can have it in our hearts. We're going to do all of these things because those are heaven priorities. Ask, I ask today that you in, inspire the men of this room to be heavenly fathers on earth just as you're our heavenly father in, in heaven and we thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said amen would you make a commitment today to be a good father I mean I know I'm speaking to multiple people and there's
There's those that are going to listen online, but maybe today you just want to come before the Lord and say, would you help me make up the difference if there's no father in the home for somebody? Maybe there's somebody here that's not a father, but you can be a voice of a heavenly father in a child's life that doesn't have a dad. You could be many things. We don't just come here for ourselves. We come here to celebrate Heavenly Fathers today. Amen.